Hello! Welcome back to another story about the Peters family. Pearson's Christmas Joy is the name of this week's story. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. And this week, because of Christmas, there are two hymns. If you recognize either one of them, and only one person from your family can win, email your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week, we had three winners and an honorable mention. It's a Christmas miracle. We here at Whimsy Wins decided to award three prizes. The first winner was Joey from Reseda, California. Next was Phoebe from Concord, California. And Saul, too, from Concord, California. Finally, Emmy of Fort Wayne, Indiana, sent in her answers just for fun because she's already won twice and she wanted to make sure that others could win. So let's hear it for the winners. And the name of the hymn from last week's story was There's Room at the Cross for You. I love that song. Make sure to do an internet search and find it and take a listen. It's time for this week's story, Pearson's Christmas Joy. The church Christmas pageant had ended several hours ago and the Peters' home was permeated by darkness and cloaked in silence. Outside, snow had been falling since the Peters' family had arrived home from the pageant with Todd in tow, who would spend the night after his parents had recommitted themselves to their marriage and to Christ at the end of the pageant, and were staying at a local hotel for the night. While everyone else was asleep, Pearson lay awake in his bed, having been awakened with a start, when he heard Patience, one of his toddler twin sisters, who had cried out in the room next to him, before she quietly fell back to sleep. But Pearson was wide awake, and he was having trouble falling back to sleep. He simply lay there, looking into the darkness of his room and thinking about God. God, what did he look like? And then he remembered what the catechism said. God is a spirit and has no body as humans do. And he thought about the spirit of God. And then he thought about Genesis 1, where the spirit of God hovered over the waters before he created the earth. What must it have been like without an earth? It was inconceivable, and his mind felt as though it was bending uncomfortably as he tried to wrap his brain around the earth being without form and void and darkness being over the face of the deep. And even more crazy was the verse from the book of Job in the Bible that they had been studying in family worship that God, in front of all the angels, suddenly spoke into the darkness, Let there be light! Wow! What must God's voice have sounded like? As he lay in the darkness of his room, he imagined that it must have been even darker than his room. And he knew that because his eyes had long ago since been adjusted so that he could make out the form of his dresser. He took a quick look over at Todd, who was in a deep slumber in the twin bed next to his. Todd would be going home right after breakfast so he could spend Christmas Eve with his newly reconciled parents. He shifted his gaze back to his dresser, where he could see his piggy bank sitting on top of it, and the tiny pocket knife that Daddy Peters had given him at his birthday. In the darkness, he noticed his childhood rocking chair, a miniature version of an adult chair, and observed the outline of his closet as the door stood ajar, where his clothes hung in a nice, neat row. On his bookshelf, he could see his collection of darts that he would throw at his dartboard that hung on the back of his door. He could see his beloved toy gun that shot foam pellets fast as lightning through the air at the offending target. He loved that gun. The bullets were harmless. So even if they pegged someone, they didn't hurt. 
But boy, was it satisfying to actually hit a target. Pearson's eyes continued to survey his room as he glanced over at the collection of books on the shelves. He could discern the shape of his board books that he'd had since he was a tot, because Mama Peters always reminded him, I hope that someday you can pass your books under your little children. So there the books remained, neatly arranged on his bookshelf. Though Pearson had graduated to more advanced books, he still loved those board books, and not just for the memories. He would sit down at least a few times a week reading through the books and looking at all the pictures. The books were childish and full of whimsy, like the one about the bear that buttoned his overalls and fed the baby ducklings and took a bubble bath, all on his own. How Pearson loved that one. And of course, there was a book about going to sleep. Sometimes he would sit on the floor with Patience and Penelope and read that book. In fact, most nights he read them the book about going to sleep. Although he didn't even really have to read the book, he had memorized it and was able to flawlessly recite it to them, especially loving the last two stanzas that were accompanied by pictures of an idyllic-looking farm with animals. He loved to read those stanzas. And when all things are still at night, cows in the barn, geese rest from flight, the cats have said their final meow, and dogs have long since barked bow-wow, that's when you'll lay your sleepy head on the fluffy pillow in your fluffy bed. Good night to friends and family, too. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. After pondering those words for a few minutes, he took a panoramic view of his room and realized how much he had. Suddenly he stopped to thank the Lord for everything he had. He knew he didn't deserve all good things, but God had seen fit to give him many good things, and Pearson was ever grateful for that. As he lay quietly, he looked toward the window and glanced out at the street lamp at the end of his driveway. The driveway and street were no longer visible as they were now covered with billowy drifts of snow. He felt warm and cozy in his black and red plaid pajamas as he watched the silent world outside of his bedroom. It occurred to him that every flake of snow of the thousands that he watched fall out of the sky, and the perhaps millions that had already fallen, and every one of them was different and distinct from the other. God had uniquely designed every falling flake. He felt his head was exploding, thinking about the wonder of God. He could hardly take in the power of God that he would be able to oversee, to design, and to cause all small and great things alike. How could Pearson do anything but worship this God? And so he did. In the darkness of night, he worshipped God. His cheeks were wet with flowing tears, as one of the songs from the pageant leapt into his mind. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. His exulting heart rejoiced over Christmas, but more importantly, the Christ of Christmas. After a few more moments of being awake, Pearson slept peacefully until the next morning. He woke up to the smell of bacon, and after he and Todd had finished reading their Bibles together, they both finished writing their prayer journals and got dressed. They walked downstairs to breakfast together. Good morning, you two sleepyheads. You must have been so tired. Mama Peters hugged Pearson and Todd as they sat down to breakfast where Penelope was already feeding Patience and Priscilla their yogurts. Good morning. Good morning, girls. Good morning, Daddy Peters. Pearson's tone was upbeat and happy. Hey, Daddy P! Todd exclaimed. Todd's enthusiasm rarely wavered, and his loudness was enough to wake the dead. But the Peters family loved Todd, and though his loudness could be jarring, they didn't really mind. Good morning, Piers and Todd. So I need to leave early for work, since I'm working a short day. 
So I'll say Merry Christmas and goodbye to you, Todd, since your parents are on their way and will pick you up shortly. And Piers, there are massive piles of snow out there. So while I'm at work, I would love it if you and Penelope could start shoveling the driveway. Sure, Daddy Peters. I love shoveling. Pearson was brimming with enthusiasm. He did love shoveling, especially when school was out for a break and Christmas time was here. Even cleaning the bathtubs, Pearson's least favorite job in the whole world, became a whole nother experience at Christmas time because everything was infused with perspective and a joyfulness and ambition that wasn't always so easy to come by when it wasn't Christmas time. But today, on Christmas Eve, Pearson could find joy in anything, even cleaning the toilet. There was just something special about this time of year. Well, Daddy Peters responded, it's my last day at work before I take a few days off for Christmas, so I'm excited to come home and make Christmas cookies tonight. Oh, Daddy Peters, I can't wait either. Mama Peters and I made like like a hundred cookies and, and all the frosting and, and of all... And, and all. Penelope's excitement almost overtook her. And we probably bought maybe a million sprinkles, Penelope shouted. My mouth is watering just thinking about it, Daddy Peters said, winking at Mama Peters. Well, we're also planning to have the Christoffersons over tonight to help us decorate the cookies, Mama Peters announced. Yahoo! Pearson and Penelope shouted. They hadn't seen the Christoffersons in weeks. They had such a sweet friendship with them. But they lived about an hour away, so they were only able to visit with each other a few times a year. After breakfast, Todd left for home with his happy parents, and Pearson and Penelope pulled on their snow pants and coats and gloves and sauntered out to the driveway, pulling the two shovels from the side of the house. Shoveling fresh snow was always a surprisingly hot task, and before too long, both Pearson and Penelope had their coats and gloves on the ground and were finishing up the last pile of snow with red and sweaty faces. As Pearson loaded the last shovelful onto the pile at the end of the driveway, he felt a snowball pelt him in the back. He whirled around, where Penelope stood, trying to look innocent, like she hadn't done anything. She was whistling, and pretended to be staring at a phantom bird in the sky. Pearson laughed, <laughs> and quickly grabbed a handful of snow. He chucked it back at his sister, and before they realized, a full snowball fight ensued pulling in some of the neighborhood kids who had seen the raucousness from their homes and had come out to join. Penelope, Nora, and Emily, her friends from the neighborhood, had built a makeshift fort out of a drift of snow between two trees, and Pearson and his pals were working on siege mounts with the snow shovels, nearly completing the project before Mama Peters's voice rang through the air. Pearson! Penelope! Lunchtime! The two darted inside and were greeted by their sisters in steaming bowls of chicken noodle soup and warm rolls. Hot lunches on cold days were some of Pearson's favorite reasons for homeschooling. Nearly every cold day, Mama Peters prepared something warm for them to eat at lunchtime. With lunch over, the Peters set to work cleaning the house. As usual, Pearson's chores were the bathrooms, and he worked hard to scrub the tubs with the bubble cleaner. Penelope dusted the living room and family room and wiped down all the stainless steel appliances with stainless steel cleaner. Patience and Priscilla were down for their midday nap, and didn't take part in the vacuuming or mopping or the laundry folding or the sweeping or the counter wiping. But then again, there was Christmas joy, where nothing felt too hard because Christmas was coming. By the time Patience and Priscilla had awakened from their nap, Daddy Peters was home and dinner was ready. Steak sandwiches and potatoes O'Brien were on the menu, and the Christoffersons were soon knocking at the door. With excitement, the Peters sat down to dinner with their beloved friends. 
After prayer, the whole clan began to eat. The Christoffersons had five children, four boys, Caleb, Micah, Jude, and Seth, and the baby of the family, finally, a little girl, Grace. The Peters, with their gang of four kids, made for quite a circus when they were all together. What fun it was to regale one another with stories and current events. Caleb told the tale of hunting for a Christmas tree, but they hadn't come home with one because the price had risen considerably. Pearson noticed that his old dear friend was actually dressed rather scantily for a snowy evening. His jacket was only a light windbreaker, and his jeans actually had a hole in the knees. He was wearing dilapidated tennis shoes instead of snow boots, and Pearson quietly studied his friend's attire as he entertained him with stories of skyrocketing Christmas tree prices. More, Pearson began to look around at Micah and Jude and Seth and Grace and noticed that they were no more warmly dressed than Caleb. All their clothes actually looked a little bit overused, too. He quietly processed all that was before his eyes, and he wondered why Mr. and Mrs. Christofferson couldn't afford a tree. After all, Peters's tree stood high with its lovely cedar smell in the living room, and not only that, but they had a second tree in the dining room. Granted, it was much smaller, but still, they had two whole trees when apparently the Christoffersons had none because they couldn't afford it. Pearson's thoughts were interrupted because everyone had finished eating, and all who could pitched in to clear the table and clean the kitchen before everyone's attention was diverted to decorating cookies. As Mr. Christofferson spoke of his declining small business, Pearson listened intently. Mr. Christofferson was a cabinet maker, but because the economy was slowing down, fewer people were ordering cabinets. As Daddy Peters listened and decorated cookies, he quietly but compassionately said, We're praying for you, Nick. We would also love to help you out. Oh, no! We're doing fine, Daddy Peters. The Lord is providing, but thanks for your offer. His words fell on deaf ears, though, and Daddy Peters continued to speak. Now, Nick, it doesn't matter a word you say. Mama Peters and I have already decided on it. We want to help out. It's Christmas! It brings us joy! Pearson looked over at Daddy Peters. He could tell that emotion gripped him. With tears welling up in his eyes, Mr. Christofferson, looking slightly embarrassed, gave a nod of grateful assent, and Pearson understood what was happening. And suddenly, Pearson's heart felt sad, and he excused himself from the table, racing upstairs where he had spent at least an hour in the night looking over all his belongings. He quickly rifled through his clothes and managed to find several snow jackets, a few of which he had outgrown. He grabbed some snow pants and some old snow boots, which were mostly in great shape. He opened his dresser drawers and pulled out all sorts of clothes. He folded them and stacked them into the garbage bag he had snagged from the kitchen on the way upstairs. Penelope, who had gone upstairs to use the bathroom, walked into Pearson's room and asked what in the world he was doing. He shushed her, shh, and whispered, I'm looking for some stuff to give to the Christoffersons. Penelope nodded and answered quietly, That's the best idea. I think you're right. I'll check my room for stuff for little Gracie. I know I have tons of toddler stuff in there that Mama Peters won't mind me giving away. Thanks, Pen. Now hurry. I don't want anyone to come looking for us. Oh, they won't, Pearson. The cookie decorating is getting intense because Daddy Peters says he has the prize for the best-looking cookie. Oh, man. Okay, let's hurry. They loaded three entire garbage bags with clothing and other goods, toys and books, all gently used, and felt overjoyed. They quietly made their way back to the table, but not before setting the bags by the front door. The cookie designing contest had grown more intense, and things were getting rowdy. 
Pearson laughed. <laughs> As he observed that some of the cookies were so piled high with frosting and sprinkles that he couldn't even see the cookie below. But he joined right in, decorating a Christmas tree-shaped cookie with green frosting, meticulously placing little red pearly sprinkles on the tree to make it look like it was a fully decorated Christmas tree. When it came time for judging, Daddy Peters loudly announced, I need to see all finalist cookies here on this plate. You must put them on this plate within 30 seconds or else, or you won't be able to submit an entry. All of the kids scampered over to Daddy Peters. They carefully placed their cookies, which ranged from creative and beautiful to silly and sloppy, on a platter. Daddy Peters made a show of studying each one. Well, this here, what a beaut! And I love the little crystals that make it look like a snow globe. Woo-wee! And this one is really nice. I particularly like the black frosting of eyes for the snowman. How did you get that frosting black? As Daddy Peters made his way down the line, he made yet another announcement. Well, this was tough to judge. So let me first declare the runners-up. Drum roll, please. Using their hands, everyone began drumming the table. Winning the award for the most creative, Caleb Christofferson! All cheered exuberantly. For the silliest cookie, it's Micah Christofferson! After the cheering ended for Micah, Daddy Peters continued announcing all of the Christoffersons and Peters' children, except for Grace, handing each child a crisp $1 bill. Now, for the winner of the overall best cookie of this Christmas, Daddy Peters knew when he had a good audience, so he made the announcement slow and with a dramatic flair. I want to give the award to the maker of this cookie. He picked up the star-shaped cookie and held it high for all to see. The cookie is built so well, and it looks so tasty, that it's missing one of its points because someone has taken an entire bite out of it. And I think I know who took that bite. So this award goes to Grace Christofferson. Gracie didn't really know what was going on, but everyone laughed and cheered. Daddy Peters handed the winning toddler a $10 bill. Grace smiled, and her face, covered in frosting from her partially eaten cookie, took the money and handed it to her mom as she finished off the star cookie. The rest of the evening, the two families spent drinking hot cocoa and singing Christmas carols in front of a fire. They sang, and they sang, and they sang, and it felt like such a magical night that they didn't want it to end. Pearson's eyes glazed over as he sang his favorite song, Silent Night, and he thought about the greatest miracle of all, that Almighty God had come to earth 2,000 years ago in the form of a tiny baby with one purpose, to suffer and die on the cross in order that Pearson and anyone else who repented and believed could spend an eternity with God. At the end of the night, Pearson and Penelope handed the garbage bags of clothes to the Christoffersons. They watched as Mama and Daddy Peters handed a wrap present to each of the Christofferson kids and a card to their parents. Pearson knew the card held money, and he reached into his pocket and pulled out a $20 bill. He handed it to Daddy Peters and whispered, I want to give this to Mr. Christofferson. Daddy Peters looked at Pearson 
whose eyes were glassy with tears, and answered, You got it, bud. Pearson knew that the $20 he had given, he had scraped together from his allowances over the past several months. He knew that giving it would not be the easiest thing in the world. He even knew that it really wouldn't buy much for the Christophersons. But that wasn't the point. Pearson knew that God, in his infinite mercy on mankind, had given the most sacrificial gift anyone could ever give, the gift of his dear son. And so $20 didn't seem like much in light of Jesus coming to earth in the form of man to die a brutal death that he didn't deserve. That holy infant so tender and mild, and Pearson, feeling a grateful warmth filling his heart, lay in bed that night, reveling at the mind-boggling thoughts of God all over again. And just before falling asleep, he thought of the words to that song, With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. This is Grandmom's Corner. That's a good story to end 2020, don't you think? We hope you will all have a Merry Christmas spent with friends and family, as we here at Whimsy Winds plan to do. But first, let's talk about how wonderful the Christmas season is. And it's not because of all the gifts we collect. It's because we celebrate God's greatest gift of all. And that gift was born in a lonely, stinky stable. There was no clean hospital or a midwife or doctors around when the King of Kings was born on that Bethlehem night. He didn't even have a bassinet or crib to place his head. Instead, he was placed in a feeding trough from which barn animals ate. This week, let Jesus be your focus as we ruminate on how he humbled himself and came in human form so that we who would believe in him would be saved and spend an eternity in heaven with him. And like Pearson, you might think about how you can give to someone in need. Maybe there's someone in your circle of friends, or maybe it's just an acquaintance that really needs help. Maybe they don't have enough money to buy a Christmas tree or a gift, and you may have the resources to help. One time, many years ago, we learned of a family whose daughter was very ill. My youngest daughter, Lydia, who has been with us on Grandmom's Corner before, was about 10 years old at the time. She mentioned that she wanted to give the family $100. She had received the $100 as a gift from my oldest son, and it was pretty much all the money she had in the world. We were filled with gratitude that her heart had been moved to give, and as a result, God moved in our hearts to give too. Have you ever wondered why it blesses your soul to give? And it just feels so wonderful when you do? It's because the Bible says in Hebrews 20.35b that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It helps us to think of others and not just ourselves. And it feels so much better to give than getting a whole bunch of stuff for ourselves. When God sees your giving, He blesses whatever we give. So ask God to show you someone in need and give generously if you can. And do it cheerfully, as it says to do in 2 Corinthians 9.7. And don't just do it at Christmas. Make it a habit. And if you have a hard time giving, ask the Lord to open your heart and help you be generous with your things. We here at Whimsy Wins regularly pray for all who listen to our podcasts. The Lord willing, we'll take the Christmas week off and return with a new story on January 3rd. Bye for now.